Hello, and welcome to Banking Transformed. I'm your host, Jim Maroos, founder and CEO of the Digital Bank Report and co-publisher of the financial brand. More than ever, delivering banking experiences rooted in personalized engagement is an expectation from every consumer. More than just a requirement for communication, financial institutions must develop personalized, tailored products for the customer segment that they're going after. Consumers are increasingly diversified in their financial relationships. If you don't know your customer, understand their needs, and deliver value with each engagement, trust and loyalty will be damaged. I'm excited to have Joe Wheelow, founder and CEO of Total Expert, on the show today. Joe shares how banks and credit unions are differentiating their organizations by knowing what customers want before they do. So welcome to the show today, Joe. You know, customers more than ever are annoyed receiving irrelevant offers and communications about products that they don't really care about. At the same time, customers value offers that are relevant in their context and help them with their own personal needs. In fact, a survey conducted by Salesforce found that two-thirds of customers said that they expect customers to understand their unique needs and expectations. So, so, Joe, when we talk about customer relationships with financial institutions today, compared to what it may have been 10 years ago, what's changed? Well, I think, uh, I think the, certainly the customer's expectation has changed faster than the organizations have been able to evolve and, and, and iterate on how they approach, right? Customer experience and customer engagement. So you know, we're in a world today, which was now uh, accelerated by COVID, of course, that the expectation that the brands I work with understand my needs and are gonna communicate with me in a way uh, that is always relevant, has empathy, that expectation has become front and center. And certainly, you know, we, we can talk about some, some of the gaps there, uh, but progress has not kept pace, certainly. You know, you know it's interesting. We, we, we talk about the rising of expectations. And I think banking, for whatever reason, got a pass forever. That organizations or people said, it's my bank. I, I can expect this to not to be as perfect as I want to be. But all of a sudden, the realization came that, that financial institutions hold more data than any other organization. And when customers are starting to get the levels of engagement with Netflix, Apple, Amazon, and other organizations that is truly unique and personalized, contextual, time-sensitive, they start to say, wait, 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 wait. Why am I not getting this from my bank? So right? from your perspective- you know, from your perspective, what is the biggest barrier to creating this level of hyper-personalization in banking? Well, I would I would start with saying there's a lot of barriers, uh, certainly silos, uh, legacy systems. And I, and I would say in a lot of cases, the barriers are a lack of uh, a lack of leadership teams willing to make the small incremental chunks of progress that can actually lead to meaningful change. They get overwhelmed by the fact that it just seems impossible to do it. So if you think about really what lies inside of most banks and financial institutions, they actually have a pretty comprehensive profile of the financial life of a customer, right? If they have 
if they have different accounts, there's certain data integrations that you can now utilize to even expand that financial profile. So you have a financial profile within the walls or, or easily within the walls of the institution, then why aren't you able to, to use it? One of the other gaps, Jim, we've talked about this one before, is even when they have the data, they have the analytics, they have the customers down in the cohorts, they even have some predictive intent things. How do you operationalize that and then get that information into the hands of the people that are taking care of that customer, uh, the people that are in charge of setting up messaging and communication, right? And usually we see a big, the biggest gap we see is the gap between the insights, which is what can I all learn about this profile? Your Netflix example was great. Hey, I watch these types of shows. I watch at this time of night. Um, here are my preferences, right? You have all a lot of those insights available, but then how do you activate? How do you take action on those insights? And that's the biggest gap we see uh, in the organizations that, that we partner and work with. You know, it's interesting. You un, you opened up so many Pandora's boxes here. You know, the first one you said is organizations have data in different silos. It's not as clean. But isn't this somewhere where a partner, a search party solution provider, really can take what I'm going to call dirty? And I don't mean dirty data as in bad data, but data that's not constructed well and easy to work with. Isn't that where third-party providers such as your company can take this data and, and actually make it work on not just a fundamental foundational way, but even on a more sophisticated way? Yeah, absolutely. There's there's layers of sophistication that you can get into. And oftentimes what we see is, look, there's tremendous progress that can be made uh, by doing some fairly simple things, right? So if you think about uh, even doing, let's say, hey, I've got legacy core uh, systems. I've got siloed lines of business that have other uh, other systems that are doing, you know, loan systems and whatnot. You can you can actually make a huge amount of progress simply by bringing in flat files into a centralized place and then bringing that data together and actually in expanding on the profile of, of every customer. Just doing that then gives you the ability to say, okay, I can now better understand uh, what's going on with each customer, their balances, their you know what what their history is as a company. Uh, do they have a certain type of loan or not? And then I can start driving communication that's going to be more relevant. That's going to have empathy, right? So that's a pretty, uh, I would say, low effort in the terms of big transformation projects. There is a low effort, low lift, high impact that you can get by simply doing that. And many organizations assume that it's so painful to get progress that they end up getting paralyzed and don't don't really just move the ball forward. You know, since you you, you mentioned leadership and boy, I, Leah can uh, certainly attest to this. There's probably not a podcast that we do that somewhere the whole focus on leadership's challenge to get over that hurdle of doing something different or using data differently or looking at consumers differently 
And it's such a challenge. But when you look at what you just said there, the, the deployment of data, the deployment of insights, the ability to say, yeah, we may not be in the best position to build a partnership with a third party provider today. And, and the reality is timing is everything. We, we could, I could, if I was a financial institution, I could work with you today and say, you know what? I want to go forward. It may not be perfect, but I want to go forward. You could bring them early wins to the equation that could help justify future investments in some of the foundational things we're talking about. Don't can't be. Yeah. Our, our approach is always, where can we get a win in 60 to 90 days? And that win sometimes can be, hey, we're going to increase engagement with a cohort of customers. We're going to improve a certain part of the customer journey, right? If you think about organizations don't always think about, I need to deliver a customer journey that sets this up for a lifelong relationship, right? I approach every customer as though I want to keep this customer forever, right? So you have to have organizationally, if you have that mentality, that needs to permeate down into everything that you do. And if you all agree, we want to have a perfect customer journey that can facilitate a lifelong relationship as the trusted financial partner. Let's all agree on that if, if you're in the organization, of course, and then say, okay, let's start attacking it. Let's look at the customer journey I have today and where we're failing. We're failing to follow up with these types of customers once they onboard. Uh, we're failing to educate them with the other types of products and services that we have, right? And we're failing to make recommendations based on data that we have. Like there's layers of things that vary in complexity to uh, to get out the door and make improvements on. But what we found is um, progress leads to more momentum. And when you make progress, that feeds momentum. And then you make more progress. And all of a sudden, you look back over a six to nine month time period and you've made a meaningful impact in the quality of your customer journey, which translates into, hey, I've got customers having better experiences with our organization. And those experiences generally are going to lead to better outcomes and, and deeper relationships. Using data to drive acquisition or cross-selling is not new. Heck, I was talking to you before the right. podcast that I did some form of this 30 and 40 years ago, a long time ago, but really was more like built around the product that we wanted to sell a product and we targeted who we want to sell it to. Yeah. What do organizations today do wrong when they're looking at targeting prospects and trying to do cross-selling yeah. across the entire customer journey? Yeah. So first of all, I, I really dislike the word cross-sell or the phrase cross-sell. And I yeah. went back and forth with my team on it. And I've said, you know, it's I, I think cross-sell is the wrong. Cross-sell tends to be a product first mentality. It just kind of breeds that mindset of I'm, I'm going to pitch a product. Uh, I have a product first mindset. I believe, we believe, you and I all, always talk about this and believe that you need to have a human first, a customer first mindset. What is best for this customer? And then what do we have that can help them achieve that next financial milestone, 
uh, more financial health and wellness, right? Maybe it's a better credit card, a better loan, a better interest rate, whatever it might be. But think from a human first. And if you think human first and you think about solving problems and helping customers make better financial decisions, and then you're making recommendations uh, based on that, yes, there's that's cross-sell, but it's a different methodology. Does that make sense? And I just think you have to delineate that. I think you're right on target there that really what we're talking about here, if I'm not mistaken, is instead of cross-selling, we're recommending services based on instant timing of when it's most appropriate. Based on a deeper understanding of the financial circumstances and financial profile of that, of that individual customer. We used to push auto loans in the fall, home equity in the spring. The reality is, Home equity happens all year long. You're going to get more effective if you time it. Yeah, totally, totally. And there's, you know, it's it's amazing. There are treasure troves of, of data that most organizations have uh, that if they start learning how to action on it, meaning get it into workflows, automate follow-up, uh, automate recommendations based on what the data is telling you, that's you can make progress on all of those things before you even get into really fancy AI and propensity modeling, right? Like right. there's tremendous progress. I think some of the mistakes that we have witnessed uh, over the years in some pretty decent sized organizations is they get really enamored with propensity modeling and data modeling when they actually haven't even gotten the basic foundational blocking and tackling of being able to um, really take action on the insights they already have. Right. So it's like if you take if you can't take action and deliver into the workflow of the business, meaning enable customer facing teams to have the right type of conversation. If you can't do that with the data you have, uh, more modeling and AI models is not going to actually deliver more outcomes uh, or more progress to the organization. You're just going to spend more on on data and modeling. <laughs> So how are some of your most successful clients, the banks and saving credit unions that you're using, um, partnering with, leveraging data and insights to impact their business? Yeah. So all kinds of things, Jim. I, I, I would tell you that some of the some of the most impactful ones are um, we're bringing in insights from things like how much equity is in a home or uh, when is uh, when is somebody shopping for a loan or how long has um, how long has a loan been in, in, in effect, right? So if there's, you know, if they know there's seven, eight years that they've been in a mortgage. So there's all kinds of data points around and it, and it tends to skew heavily on the lending products today. Uh, but right. we're starting to see also people doing things on uh, the other types of products and services, right? If they have large balances in an account, uh, that are being unused and they they have a wealth team internally they're leveraging that to then make recommendations and referrals over to hey by the way we can be helpful here have you thought about this and we're also seeing uh, people putting in a lot of and it's all being done with data the insights and then action so they're putting workflows together with those things so um, i have my customer data 
I'm going to be able to surface insight, uh, which sometimes is, hey, uh, they're they're going to be in the market shopping for a loan. We know this because of these three data points. Okay, and when one of those data points uh, triggers and changes, we know that somebody should reach out to them. We should also be communicating them with an education centric message that lets them know the types of things available, how we can be helpful. Those things should be firing and happening, uh, driven by automation. And so the customers we have that are winning with that have this data insights action framework, and they're just applying it uh, to different scenarios. Does that make sense? Yeah, it totally does. And, and you know, I have so many personal examples. I, I've been thinking about them probably more lately than a long time because I, I, I usually give the example of the fact when I bought my Jeep three years ago, that I was amazed that I put all these triggers out there, things that people could tr- could use to say he's buying something, you yeah. know. And the only people that contacted me were the dealers and manufacturers. Well, guess yeah. what? It's three years. My lease is coming up, and yeah. the only organization that's reached out to me is Ally because they have the lease. This is not hard to find. In the same sense, unbelievable, right? You know, in the same sense, we have people like myself that regularly have deposits that go over to Acorns and Robinhood and some other places that all a financial institution had to look at was the transactions to say, Jim has a pattern here. Let's become part yeah. of that trend. Totally. Totally. I mean, it's 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 a great example of your primary financial institution can have access to the fact that um, you actually have a lease <laughs> and it's yeah. and it's and it's been out for three years. And they should be able to take that signal, that data point, and you should be getting uh, information from them about, hey, you're a fantastic customer. Here are some here are some options for you. Uh, and they can generally even sort of mostly qualify you based on data that's already there. So these things are are actually not hard to ex- to execute on. It's just getting getting them prioritized. You know, we I think a big one right now, Jim, that we're seeing our customers doing and it it makes a lot of sense. There's unprecedented amounts of equity in homes out there right now, right? So a lot of banks that offer equity lines are saying, hey, um, we can offer you a way to tap into some of that equity, right? To remodel, do whatever you want, um, save for college, whatever it is. And they're putting together education type content and information around you know, debt and equity and how to how to be able to leverage equity in a smart way. So, you know, we've talked about this once before that we believe, I think both you and I believe there's a difference between a great customer experience and building stronger customer engagement. Can you define from your perspective what the difference is between the two? So I, I think there's a, a vast difference. And I think um, it it all depends on how you look at it. But customer experience is, you know, the sum total of kind of how the customer um, basically feels a, about each individual I- interaction. Okay. So if they have a, if they go onto the website and they open an account, that, that leads into customer experience. If somebody's rude uh, on a phone call, a service call, that certainly leads into it. But high quality engagement, customer engagement actually does a tremendous amount to deepen the relationship. So if I'm engaging with a customer with education centric information, um, 
engaging with them from a perspective of empathy, meaning I understand, I have context around where what financial milestones most likely are kind of in that point in life, that goes deeper than just customer experience. It really goes to the heart of relationship building. And I think of it like this, Jim, the quality of every relationship, business, personal, customer, is based on the quality of the communication and engagement that you have, right? Yeah. The experience layer is certainly important. Yeah, it's interesting too, because this builds trust and loyalty. You know, if you engage with me based on my personal situation and take an empathetic look at how can you help me as opposed to, as we said, cross-selling for the sake of cross-selling. That's human first. That builds trust and loyalty. Absolutely. And if you think about how, I always say, um, the amount of opportunity is the nicest way to say it, that still exists in modern banking and lending, the opportunity that exists to build true customer loyalty is relatively untapped, right? Even organizations, there's not an organization out there that I think has completely and utterly figured it out how to build ridiculous customer loyalty the way some of the consumer brands have been. And I think that opportunity is still there. Um, I really do. And I think people can have different levels of success at it, but they they do have to think human first, empathy first, instead of product first. And that should drive how their individual customer journeys are, are handled. And oh, by the way, we'll get better results if we do that. You know, it's not right. It's not a revenue versus non-revenue. It's, it can be higher revenue if you do that. The money and the revenue follows, right? It doesn't yeah. lead. It doesn't lead, but it it will follow, right? If you lead, if you lead with empathy and you lead with better engagement with your customers, the the financial uh, outcomes will happen. You know, you mentioned it earlier about. The not just keeping the data within the the marketing department for a, a, a communication cycle, but to share it across the organization. How important is it to share that across the organization, not just for sales and engagement purposes, yeah. but for innovation and product development purposes? Purposes, you know, how are you seeing yeah. data sharing really in, in improve the overall status of an organization? Yeah, so I'll, I'll give you some examples, actually. So we have um, we have had a major data project going uh, at Total Expert for the last uh, about 12 to 14 months now to make sure we have some pretty sophisticated customers that really want to understand. We have a lot of data uh, because we do communication and engagement across the entire customer journey. Um, and then we have transaction data in many cases as well. So these organizations are wanting that full picture of that data. And actually, uh, to your point, product teams are saying, we want to develop products and services. We're thinking about a different type of loan or a different type of product. And we'd really like to understand um, the different um, customer journeys that, that we have and sort of how the behavior is and what we can learn from that. And so we've actually had a project to where we're giving access to really robust data sets um, 
to to our customers about their customer journeys, right? And so things that you wouldn't normally relevant be relevant for sales and and marketing use cases, but are relevant if you're thinking about building new products and launching new products. So companies are thinking this way, brands are thinking this way, and and I think you know vendors and tech partners like Total Expert, it's up to us to be really great partners on providing an easy way for them to build intelligence internally using the data sets that we have and augment their ability to build intelligence about what should they be building product-wise, what are the things customers are responding to. You know, it's interesting. We we talk about the third-party providers, and, and it's in the best interest of the third-party providers to, number one, as you mentioned earlier, make sure we get the, the easy hits out of the way, that we get the low-hanging fruit, that we see success early, because Normally, that makes us so financially just want to invest more with Total Expert or whoever their partner is in doing this well. What's also interesting is you just brought it up, is the amount of intelligence that your organization can create over time, working with many different size and types of financial institutions, makes it so that you can say, hey, you know what? If we provided our clients with this insight, they're going to be able to even do more of what we get a handle on over time. This is, I think, sometimes way overlooked by organizations that want to build their own process. They want to build their own cross-sell program. They want to build their own marketing program. That the third-party providers really provide so much depth of knowledge because of how many customers you actually work with, right? Yeah, abso- absolutely. I mean, we we have tens of millions of, of customer journeys that are deployed all the time, right? And we have engagement preferences. We have um, all kinds of anonymized data, of course, that we're looking at when we're looking at what is what is the ideal amount of touch points for a 25-year-old customer that just opened an account, right? What are, what is that, right? So we have the, that type of data. What is the um, what are the right amounts of communication and, and engagement? Uh, to make sure if somebody applies and shows interest in applying that you actually uh, fulfill that and they actually become a customer. We call that lead or application to funded to customer. And so we have millions and millions of data points on it and a, a team of engineers that are fiercely committed to saying, it's really about empowering our customers to deliver the best possible customer journey. Really, we call it, we want to empower our customers to deliver the perfect customer journey for the life of their customer. Like that is our passion. And so for us to do that, we got to get really good and are getting really good. We made a lot of progress over this last couple of years, but get really, really good at being able to handle uh, mass volumes of data and then deliver the orchestration of a customer journey across all kinds of different um, touch points. So talking about communicating across touch points and all that, how important is speed or real-time engagement to the overall success of a program? Have you have you looked at you know how important it is to get that immediate impact out there as opposed to waiting a month or a quarter for for you know opportunities to be delivered to the consumer? Well, I think it uh, real time and or near real time, right? I mean, there's a uh, as my engineering team t- tells me, right, when they think of real time and I say real time to them, that means like a, you know, hundredth of a second, right? <laughs> and yeah, and right. when you and I talk about real time, we're like, okay, if you have an insight, like, let's make sure it 
we're communicating the same day. Uh, yeah. So there's different ways of looking at real time, but as nearly real time as possible is super important. And if you think about it, we, we live in a very fast paced, very evolving world all the time, right? And if you think about consumers, their financial situations are very fluid. Um, different things coming up in their life come and go, right? Financial circumstances change. And you need to be able to react very quickly to those insights around that customer so that you can best serve them, right? If, if I want to have empathy, what does that mean? I want to really understand what's going on with my customer from their perspective. And I want to deeply understand all the time so that I can be a, a great partner. And so real time, I believe, is really important. And if you get an insight on, you know, as an example, your situation that you're going to be looking for a new car um, three months from now might not might not be an appropriate time. We, we should be giving you information and educating you on how we can help you right now. Right. Um, so getting away from sales and getting away from product innovation, the use of data for these things that you help your customers with, how can banks leverage data and insights and how are you using data insights to help educate customers on things like financial wellness and financial literacy? Yeah, that's a great point. I was just working on a, on a piece this morning for uh, Financial Literacy Month, right? April is, to my knowledge, Financial Literacy Month. And so, first of all, we think of, I've got a, a slide that I have, and it's essentially, you know, marketing's got a line through it, okay? Marketing is dead if you think about um, in, in relation to banking, lending, financial services. And what I mean by that is, education and knowledge about financial health, um, building wealth, the difference between debt and equity, what, what home ownership can mean versus renting, sharing knowledge and educating consumers about those various topics is the most powerful thing you can do as somebody that's trying to earn their trust and earn the right to do business with them. And so I want to segment my customers by cohort, right? I don't want to educate uh, somebody that is 55 and has $10 million in assets on first-time homeownership. That would be irritating, right? So I want to use the data I have about the customer, and then I want to deliver the right type of education-centric content and, and communication so that I'm adding value. To, to that customer. And, and what we see, particularly with newer consumers, millennials, Gen Z, Gen X, they really, really value knowledge and information. They really want to educate themselves, right? They want um, calculators on savings and they want calculators on um, debt or ownership, home ownership versus rent and what that looks like. They want those types of things. And so our, our customers are deploying uh, campaigns, journeys, and things like that with communication and engagement that is education-centered, education-focused. And we, we call this methodology educate, engage, and advise, right? So you're always going to be your, your main form of marketing should be from a position of educating and sharing information and then engaging with customers based on if they ask questions when the right moment of communication is right 
and then helping make recommendations to them at the right moment in time. So finally, you know, where does a company start when you're looking at building that that relationship, building that data and insight loop and, and going to customers and, and building a better relationship? Where should they start? And yeah. secondly, can any size organization implement the strategies we've discussed today? Any size organization can make massive improvements on their current state. Uh, from a $500 million institution to a $100 billion institution, um, we see projects uh, and really meaningful progress that that when I and when I say progress, I mean actual ROI, business impact. Right, you're seeing that turn out into additional customer revenue. The best place to start, uh, if it's with us or another partner, or you do it internally, map out your customer journey for your different cohorts of customers. Right, first segment your customers. If I've got, you know, my commercial customers, my small business customers, depending on how your lines of business are set up. And then you want to look at how which lines of business cross, meaning I've got uh, my small business commercial customers, also our personal customers in, in the bank, right? So I want to understand that. And then I want to look at the various customer journeys from maybe the first time they're referred or hear about us or inquire to lifetime relationship and where all of the the gaps are and sometimes the best way to start is to keep it even more simple than that jim uh, we have an exercise that it, it takes about an hour to where you just go through some of the basic touch points and and it, as an example it would be okay after somebody opens an account are you automatically communicating uh something that's education centric something that's valuable to them are you automatically doing that over the next 30, 90, 120, 180 days, right? Yes or no, right? And then do you have, if it's a higher value customer, do you have a personal touch that's happening? Do you have somebody that's making a personal phone call, a text message, uh, making them understand that there's a partner there for them, right? Personal banker, however you are set up. So those are the things you can ask a series of eight to 10 questions that will either um, make uh, obvious some of the easy, low-hanging fruit type gaps that you have, or then you realize, oh, we got all these things done. Okay, what's the next level? And then you just look at that entire customer journey. It really is about you know, first touch to lifetime customer and all of the things that happen there, and then just filling in those gaps. That, that's great. You know, Joe, how do organizations get a hold of you and your team at Total Expert? Yeah, absolutely. Um, my email address, I always give out my email address, joe at totalexpert.com. Feel free to reach out to me if uh, I'm happy to always just talk high level strategy advice and talk about the industry. Uh, but also, uh, totalexpert.com, our website, can reach out to our team. We'd, we'd love to have a a conversation, you know, get to understand uh, what, you, what you're working on, what your problems are, and, uh, you know, more than anything, what your aspirations are, what your ideas are about what kind of organization you want to be. We love having those conversations. Hey, Joe, always great to have a conversation with you and your, you and your team. You guys are doing great out there, and you, you, you know, you, you're near and dear to my heart as far as things that you're focused on, because this stuff, this is basic. I mean, it's basic, but the hardest stuff to do well. And, yeah. you know, the bar is rising every day and we've got to do better. 
Thanks, buddy. It's always fantastic. Love the love the work you guys do, by the way. You guys are amazing. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to Banking Transform, just rated as the top banking podcast and the winner of three international awards for podcast excellence. If you enjoyed today's interview, please give our show a five-star rating on your podcast platform. Also, be sure to catch my recent articles on the financial brand and check out the research you're doing for the Digital Banking Report. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcasts. A special thank you to our producer, Leah Longbreak, audio engineer, Sean Roe Hoffman, and video producer, Will Pritz. I'm your host, Jim Roos. Until next time, remember, a customer doesn't care how much you know until they know how much you care. The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast.